Now remember that we are still on with uh, the 21 days of light that the Lord told us last year to start the very first day this year. And it's been awesome. I know light has been coming to some of us. I don't know about you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, I don't know about you. Glory to God. How many of you have been joining every night, 10 p.m. to 10.15 p.m.? Every night since the beginning. How many of you have begun, you, you started knowing certain things the Lord wants you to do? You know, I mean, there were things that were not so clear to you, but now they're getting clearer. Hallelujah. Good. Glory to God. Glory to God. Because that's the essence. The word of the Lord came to us and then said that during these 21 days of light, that anything that is not so clear to you, anything, any gray area of your life, you don't know what to do. You don't know exactly the next step to take. You don't know the next button to press. He said that as we stand before him these 21 days, the Lord will begin to show you the steps, the steps. Some people in their business, they don't know exactly what to do. They don't know the next thing to do. Some people in their whole life currently, they are just stagnant. It's like they are in one place or they are moving and then they are moving in a circle and then you don't know what to do. There's a prophetic word and a prophetic power upon the 21 days of light. Hallelujah. And whatever it's going to take, you make sure you join in. Join in and partake of that anointing. Partake of it. When God gives a word, he releases a commission to it. He backs it up when he, when he speaks. He backs it up. So and that is why <laughs> you must understand the power of God's word. You don't joke with the word of the Lord. You don't. Hallelujah. All right. Is our year of the emergence of Savior my year of Dominion. Ask your neighbor, have you been experiencing dominion? That's the mandate upon your life. That's the commission upon your life. That's, that's the blessing that the Lord released upon your life when he commissioned you the very first day of the year. He said, my son, I have commissioned you to walk in dominion. That's it. That's the blessing upon you. It's the blessing of dominion. So if you see any kind of bondage, any kind of anything trying to stand before you, you say, no, I'm walking in dominion. If you see anything that tries to put you in bondage, you say, no, I'm walking in dominion. Now I refuse to give up. You see the storms of life right in front of you. You say, no, 
I'm not the one that will give up. It's you that will give up. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's important we understand how to take our place in dominion. And so we began to look at the verse of the year, the scripture that God gave us, Obadiah 21. Of course, there's only one chapter there. He said, and saviors shall come up on Mount Zion. And then who are these saviors? We have identified the saviors as us, right? Because when we gave our lives to Jesus, then he anointed us, commissioned us also to go and do the same, to go and save other people. So we became saviors. Another translation says deliverers. And that's one of the first things the Lord Jesus did to us when we gave our lives to Jesus. He delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and then into his marvelous light. The kingdom of his marvelous light. So we are not in dark, we are in light. Hallelujah. We are not the ones that wants to be delivered. We've been delivered. And then he has made us what? Deliverers. Come on, say deliverers. Come on, say I've been made deliverers. But you see here, so, so we, we have identified that we are the saviors, we are the deliverers. But you will notice something that though these people are saviors, they are deliverers, there's a movement they needed to make. He said, and saviors shall come up. So they don't sit where they have been made delivered. Where they have been made deliverers. Or where they've been delivered. There's a call. There's an invitation. Come up hither. To where? To Mount Zion. So, and we see that the place of our dominion is where? Hello. The place of our dominion is where? So you rule as a believer on Mount Zion. And we have so many scriptures to support that in the New Testament. We have a position at the right hand of God the Father with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord said unto my Lord, sit down at my right hand until I make thy enemy thy footstool. So we see the place of dominion, where you rule from, is not from earth. You rule from where? From Zion. And that Zion is the right hand of the Lord because in Zion, Zion, Mount Zion is the mountain of God. The Zion city is the city of God. Hallelujah. So it's important because staying on that mountain, that's where you exercise your authority. So we need to understand how do we make sure that we, 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 we permanently stay on that mountain. We maintain our place of dominion. The place of dominion is where? 
Mount Zion. Let me tell you, neighbor, the place of dominion is Mount Zion. Say it like you know it. The place of dominion is Mount Zion. Can you say it again? Hallelujah. All right, so this morning, that's what we're going to be looking at. We want to look at, okay, so how do I maintain my place of dominion? I know my place of dominion is Mount Zion. I've been called up to Mount Zion because right from Mount Zion, that is where I am supposed to live my life as a believer. I'm supposed to operate from there. And we know that place of dominion is the right hand of God. Mount Zion is the mountain of the Lord. And that is why someone like David understood this very well. Because he knows that Mount Zion, as it were, is actually the house of the Lord, the city of God. The place where God dwells, where his presence is visible. So he understands that. In Psalm 27 verse 4. Psalm 27 verse 4. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell, there's a call to the house of the Lord. Then he says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then there are two things you do there. One is to do what? To behold the beauty of the Lord. And then number two is what? To inquire of his temple. And then let, 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 let's go to... Hebrews Hallelujah Okay, let's do First Peter chapter 2 first before we go to Hebrews First Peter chapter 2 And then verse let's We'll start reading from verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. He said, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, saying, Behold, I lay where in Zion. That's another way to, you know, uh, call Zion. In Zion... A chief cornerstone. That's Jesus Christ. Is the chief cornerstone. Elect precious. And then he says, And he that believed on him shall not be confounded. Verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe. He is what? Precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And verse 8. And a stone or stumbling 
and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word. So, who are the people that gets offended? Who are the people that this stone is a stone of stumbling block to them? He said, those that stumble at the word. He said, being disobedient, where also they were appointed. Verse 9. But it says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12. Let's just quickly do all the readings. Hebrews 12, then verse 22. Hebrews 12, verse 22. Say, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable number, innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. All right. So, we see that the place of dominion is Mount Zion. And Mount Zion, from what we have read, shows to us that Mount Zion is the place of the presence of God. Right? It's a place of the presence of God. So, however, what is the first encounter with his presence? You talk about the presence of God. So what is the first encounter? What is it that, that, brings on, that, that brings us into that presence? The moment you got born again, there's an invitation. Come up. It says, Saviors shall come up to what? On Zion. So there's a call immediately. You got born again. There is a call. And then the Bible says, right inside that Zion, there's a chief cornerstone that has been placed there, right? And who is that chief cornerstone? Jesus Christ. Okay, good. Now, I want us to go back to, that's First Peter, chapter 2. And then we'll start reading from verse 1. We've read it. We started reading from verse 6. But let's read before. Uh, the scriptures before it, so that we can connect it, to, connect the whole thing together, you know, because he connected it to Zion, and then he said, in Zion there is a chief cornerstone that has been placed there, and who is that chief cornerstone? Jesus Christ, right? Now I'm going somewhere. He said, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies 
and all evil speaking. And then how, how is it possible? How can you do all of these things? How do you deal with this? So that you understand in context who is speaking to. In context, verse 2 says, As newborn babes. So you see, in context, he's speaking to new believers. People that just got born again. Newborn babes, right? Hello? Newborn babes. So he's saying that even as a newborn baby in Christ, there's a call to Mount Zion, and I'm coming to that, because right there, Peter connected everything he's, he was talking about to the chief cornerstone that is laid in, in, in Zion, right? Did we see that? Now I want you to get this. It's very important. Very important. And at times we say, okay, because somebody just got born again, you know, so that's why he's doing this. He's doing all sort of wrong things. He's still a baby in Christ. Yes. Yes. There are certain things as a baby in Christ. But Peter brings another dimension to this. Because it started with the ability that you even have as a newborn babe. He said, verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, these are possibilities even among believers. That's what Peter is trying to say. But if it's not dealt with, then that's the way you're going to live your life. He said, but no, you have the ability, you have the power to do what? To lay aside. Hello? Come on, say, I have the ability to lay aside. Anything I want to lay aside. That's when you become responsible. When you begin to have the ability to like decide what you want and then what you don't want. That's a place of authority, friends. <laughs> That's a place of authority. And it's amazing that even in the realm of the spirit, as newborn babes, we, we are born with that ability. And then you look at natural babies. Are they born with that ability? Do they have the ability to decide? Huh? Hello? Do they have the ability to decide? Did I hear you? Did I hear yes? Babies, they don't have the ability to decide anything. They don't. If they have the ability to, de to decide, why would somebody give birth to a baby and then go and put the baby beside the gutter. The baby doesn't have the ability. But here, the Bible is saying that even as a newborn babe in Christ, that you have inborn in you that ability to lay aside Whatever you want to lay aside. Is it not there in the scripture? Can you see it? 
He said, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil. Maybe somebody is saying, uh, this one, I don't even understand. What is, what is guy? What is all this one? Okay, give it to me in uh, Amplified Classic. So let it break it down for us. So be done with every trace of wickedness. Be done. And all deceit and insincerity, pretense, of course, hypocrisy, you know, hypocrisy is common, that one you know, pretense, and grudges, envy, jealousy, and slander, and evil speaking of every kind. Verse 2. Like newborn babies, you should crave, test for, earnestly desire the pure, unadulterated spiritual milk, that by it you may be nurtured and grow unto completed salvation. Hallelujah. And I'll show you in a moment why is it that the first encounter, because this is Peter telling us, so the first encounter as a believer is, see, you need to desire the sincere make of the world. And so there's an invitation in Obadiah 21 that as saviors, you come up to Mount Zion. So in Mount Zion, what are the encounters you have? What are the encounters? And then we see how Peter came here and connected what he was saying to Zion. Look at it, he said, so verse, verse 3. He said, if so, be, if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know, at times, <laughs> at times some people, they do not even have they do not understand the taste of their salvation. Some people, it's like they were forced to give their life to Jesus. Because here, Peter comes down and then explain what happens when you become a newborn babe. He says, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So definitely as a newborn babe, the taste that the Lord is gracious is not, is not actually talking about physical things. He's not talking about money because you just you got born again. So and he's saying you have tasted the graciousness of the Lord. What is he saying? Because you got born again through faith, through grace, by faith, uh, through faith by grace. So you experience the graciousness of the Lord. Because you know you cannot save yourself. You were doomed for hell. And yet Jesus Christ came, died for you. And so how do you actually taste the graciousness of Is understanding the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And that's why, personally, I'm forever grateful every day 
that I eventually got to know the Lord. There were certain things that could have happened to my parents, and then we probably would have been American citizens by now if my dad had accepted, you know, a particular invitation to go to America long time ago. And then I had the opportunity, by the grace of God, sometime when I went to America to go visit the, the woman my father was working with that was supposed to invite, I mean, get the whole family to America then. And then happened to be uh, just about uh, one to two hours, I can't remember, I think it was about one and a half hours journey from Maryland. So, and it's a suburb, she was staying as, at a suburb of Maryland, very old woman. And in my heart, when we located the place in my heart, in my heart, that was what I was saying. I said, it is possible that it's still around this suburb of Maryland that would have grown up in. And then there's a probability that maybe one would have joined some of these gangs here. And one wouldn't have known the Lord. Yeah, that was what we were going through. My, I said, Lord, the, the only thing I'm celebrating here today is the fact that in all of these things, I came to know you, Lord. Because if I don't want to look at, okay, American from a natural standpoint is better than Nigeria, right? No, but that's not my concern. My concern is the fact that, see, I'm still in Nigeria, but I got born again here in Nigeria. And that's what makes all the difference. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I could have been in America, and then who knows? Maybe somebody would have shot me. Oh, what are you saying? It could have happened. It could have happened. I'm, I don't know why I'm, I'm just going there. Some of you don't even know that there are certain people in America, they have not left their, their village in America. They've never gone to the city. That suburb, which is about one and a half hours or two hours to Maryland, there are some of them, they have not left that suburb to come to Maryland. You know, people say, I want to go to America, I want to go to America. You go there and land in the suburb. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> But you know what? It's just amazing to know the Lord Jesus. That's very key. Very important. That, that see, I'm here and I encountered the Lord. And that's when you begin to appreciate that's the taste. You have tasted the Lord. You have tasted his graciousness for saving you. Verse 4, he said, to whom come in as unto a living stone. See, describing us that we are living stones. Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones 
Okay, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ as the living stone, and then we as lively stone, or living stones as well, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer all spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Verse 6. See the connection. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone in like precious, and he that believeth on it shall not be confirmed. So, but in Zion, what is that first encounter? Because you see, there are two things you do in the house of the Lord. One is to behold the beauty of the Lord. And number two is to do what? Inquire in his temple. So, practically, how do you behold a realm that is not natural? How do you behold it? And Peter answers it to us. He says, as newborn babes, you have been born into Zion. Your first encounter with Zion should be what? Desire the sincere make of the word. The sincere make of the word. This is the of the word. If you are going to really understand the oppression of Zion, the oppressions of God, the first thing is that you must be a man of the word. Tell your neighbor, you must be a man of the word. If you do not love the word and you say you are born again, see, you're born again comes with what? Very big question mark. Very big question mark. When a baby is born, what is the next thing that uh, happens to the baby? He cries, right? He says, yes, I've arrived. Because that's the only way he can express himself. He can't talk. And going forward, if there's anything he needs, what does he do? Cries. It is your job to out what's he saying through his crying. Well, that's, the, that's the only way they express themselves. So when he's hungry, he begins to cry. And then we see here, the Lord saying... Now, this is your life. This is the way you live your life. This is the way you live your life. As newborn babes desire. So here is the difference. He said, you are the one that would desire the sincere milk of the word. You. So if I want to check if I'm a serious believer, I just check my word life. If I want to check if I'm in Zion, what do I do? Check my word life. How much of desire 
do I have for God's word? And he says, you desire the sincere make of the word so that you will do what? Grow thereby. It's an automated growing. You don't desire the sincere make of the word. You will not do what? You will not grow. You won't grow. And then look at the baby. The baby refuses to eat. What's going to happen to the baby? Will the baby grow? Huh? Will the baby remain the same? Huh? Somebody say yes. <laughs> What's going to... Number one, it will, the baby will start getting sick. That's the first thing. You understand? Depending on the age of the baby. With time, what's going to happen to the baby? It's going to die. The baby will die. Or is there any other, or any other alternative to food for you to grow as a baby? As a human being. Okay, you said I'm grown now. All these food things have... I, I refuse to eat food again. What kind of nonsense is that? Must our life depend on food? Uh-uh. I know some of you now. Here, there's some of you here. You can fight over food. Your sister finished cooking and then is, you know, sharing the whole thing. Sharing the whole thing. Now you are looking. Hey, hey, hey. Mm. Add more. Add more. Say, ah, but it's the same. No, no, no. My one is small. I don't know the eyes with which you are looking. You are you are using to look at it, but this one I'm looking at is small. Hallelujah. So have you have you ever imagined that no matter how spiritual you are? You still need physical food to continue to live here on earth. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Let's round up with that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Because I'm going somewhere now, I need to hit that point very well. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So Jesus Christ is not saying that you don't need bread, right? He said, you, you cannot live your life. You cannot stay alive alone by bread. He's not speaking to everybody here. He's speaking to believers Because the unbelievers are already dead spiritually. So he said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when a man is not feeding on the word of God, there is something. The man is not. The man is what? What is the opposite of not living? The man is what? The man is dead. The man is dead. 
So, in other words, so we, we see believers. We see believers that are that are moving around, but spiritually they are what? They are dead spiritually because of lack of what? The nourishment of the word of God. The nourishment of the word of God. So we can practically say, your word, Lord, is my life. In other words, if I don't eat your word, I'm a dead man. Not physically, but what? Spiritually. And have you ever seen any dead spirit enter heaven before? Huh? When a man dies, does the spirit of the man stay in the body of the man? The spirit of the man would, would run. We just leave the body. Bam. You'll be seeing the body lying down. You know, the Holy Spirit actually comes into our spirit man. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of our spirit man. Because the Bible says we are one with his spirit. But the place of the word of God is for two things. For sustenance of life. For sustaining the life of God in our spirit man. And also for growth. Spiritual growth. And then someone out there said, see, I'm born again, no? I'm born again. Hallelujah. When last did you did you it's the word of God. Yeah, I can't remember the word of God. I go to church on Sundays. That is going to sustain you. There's no problem. There's no problem. You know, actually what we should tell uh, believers you know, is if you, you can actually decide it. I'm not, I'm not advising you to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you should do it. But you can also get yourself, put yourself and say, now, I want to move to the next level with God. I want to establish myself in, on Mount Zion. And then you say, okay, the day I do not eat the word of God very well, there's no food for me. There's no natural food for me. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Some people are already smiling. I can see. I can see. <laughs> you know, you get yourself on the toes. You understand that? Say, okay, my body, you will feel what my spirit is feeling. You know, this body still have the capacity not to eat for 100 days. But it doesn't have capacity not to drink water. So you still have the capacity. This body has the capacity not to eat food. But after 100 days, I can't confirm. But at least we have seen people proven it. 100, day, 100 days. Even scientifically. Tested. Okay? But water, you cannot but live on water. But after 100 days, anything can happen. The person could, could just go like that. And what is God saying? 
You want to establish your place of dominion on Mount Zion. You should be a man that goes after the word. You don't joke with the word anywhere. Anywhere you do not joke with the word. It's time for the word. Boom. Your eyes, your ears, everything is there. You wake up in the morning. Boom. Straight to the word of the Lord. You open it. Not WhatsApp. Not uh, Facebook. Not TikTok. Instagram. We don't know the one that is raining now. YouTube. You know. You go for the word. And you make sure that your spirit is well fed. Hello. Hello. You have to make sure, you know, the way you fight for your natural food. You fight for it. And, and especially, you know, your, your spirit is starved for a long time. You know, you go for it and then, and then eat the word and eat the word and eat the word and eat the word. There are times you just say, oh, it's a feast today. I'm going to declare a whole feast throughout today. And then you lock up yourself and then you just keep feasting on the word of God. You, 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 you open your Bible and then begin to read and then read and read and read and read and read. And then the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. You know, you can just be there for hours and then you put on, uh, you put on your, uh, you pick a, um, maybe a YouTube message. You know, some of our, uh, all our messages are on YouTube. You go there and then you begin to listen to it. You say, okay, you don't want YouTube. We have the audio, you know, the audio version. I've been sent to WhatsApp, different WhatsApp groups there. And then you can log in. To eat and then begin to listen and just begin to eat and then eat and then eat and then eat and then eat. Eat. You are eating the word. Something is happening. How many of you know the, what is going on when you eat pounded yam? You eat it like this. It's big like this. It enters. Are you the one responsible to make sure the pounded yam is entering every part of your body? Eh? What do you do? Your own job is to do what? To eat it and leave the rest to God. There's a supernatural power that is released into the word of God. That when you begin to interact with God's word, you are interacting with the realm of the spirit. There is something happening to your spirit, man. There is something happening on the inside. God is transforming you by his word. And then you begin to see yourself do what you could not do before. And that's the way it works. You want to know your level? The first way to check is, what is my word level? How much time do I give to God's word? How much time do I give to God's word? You don't need, you need, you don't need to be praying in tongues to know how. What is my level in God? <clears throat> you can sit down. You can do the mathematics, natural, physical. We calculate. I'm not talking spiritual calculator. We calculator. Check. Today, how long did I spend with God's word? Five minutes. Ah. This five minutes, it can't take me anywhere. It cannot take me anywhere. We are talking about feeding. Feeding. Feeding where your spirit man. You must be a lover of the word. 
He said, no, that's not enough. Let me plug in. Let me do, let me hear this 45 minutes message. Before you know it's 45 minutes is gone. Something is bubbling on the inside of you. Something is happening. And if you keep at it that way, three months, you yourself, you know you are robust in the realm of the spirit. You have become a strong man in the realm of the spirit. And that is the era of deliverance. That's the call to you as saviors. This is the calling of God in this season. That you become a man of the word. Come and say, I'm a man of the word. The word of God is my priority. The word of God is my priority. The word of God is my priority. The word of God is my life. This is the key that opens every other key. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning. Say, Lord, I receive grace to interact with your word more in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray now. Pray, 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 pray. Pray. Barada The word of God is that spiritual thing that transforms you, that changes you. From inside out, the more you interact with the word, the more it changes you. The word of Lord is my life. The word of Lord is my life. The word of Lord is my life. In the name of Jesus. He said, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. The word of the Lord is my life. In the name of Jesus, grace is released unto you. You go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. The hand of the Lord is strong upon you. You're going out and you're coming in is blessed. In the name of Jesus. The lines are falling pleasant places. Yeah, you have a goodly heritage. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. Please, you may be seated. The glory to God. Hallelujah.